the idea of severance, you're still getting people to do it, even though how insane of an idea is it? Yeah. You can get 25 year olds who have been working crappy jobs to come work here. If, well, I get free LaCroix. I'm good. Right. I get a, I get a melon bar. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Don and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. We have a very special guest. I feel like every time we have a guest, it's a very special guest, but this is an extra special guest this week because this guest has listened to 98% of the Littered Ape cast, which is 97% more than I've listened to it. Which is almost like saying he's like John McCain in that he went through torture by the enemy and has come yeah. out a maverick. And as a result, he can't lift his ears higher than this. <laughs> and that's a visual joke for those of you listening at home. Uh, we have with us today my good friend, John Beardmore. Uh, John is a, what are you, John? A friend, a son, a father, an employee, a brother, a sex god, a dog w- walker. We're close. To, all of those are close enough. All these things, sure. yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, this is this is exciting because John uh, John is is a dear friend and he is a a, a good a good loyal listener of the Apecast. Um, but he's also a huge fan of the thing we're going to talk about today, which is the television program Severance. Yeah, because my God, yeah, you know, I love your show. Severance is much better. Oh yes. <laughs> Well, their production values are just slight. I mean, just uh, like maybe 10% more. So they got uh, that Apple money. They got that Apple money. Although, that's the only although thing Himmel, holding us back. Himmel does have that Ben Stiller vibe. Do I? You're Jewish. Is that a Jewish thing? Okay. You're a fucking mm-hmm. Jew. Okay. I mean, come on. I was going for it. You totally, like, right over your fucking head. You've also got that Moses vibe. Yeah. 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 Well, so here's the thing about Severance. So for those of you who have not seen the show, uh, what's wrong with you? But the other part is, this is this is the premise. It's it's a it's a workplace comedy, but it's also a workplace thriller. It's and not. Mystery. See, I don't think it's a comedy at all. But that's uh, well, I. It's, it's, just like it's a lot of things. Girls. It's essentially two broke girls with Adam Scott. <laughs> it's two- <laughs> actually the way that uh, a. Buddy of mine at work, the way he positioned it was that it's it's like Lost, so like it gives you Lost vibe. Now I never watched Lost, so I don't get that. But I don't the idea of like, like the, Lost. I think what he was leaning into was like, what the hell is going on? Like each episode, you're like, what? Like there's another just weird nuclear bomb that gets dropped in like every episode. I would say the difference between Lost and Severance is that while they do give you more questions to ponder they answer questions as they go i mean it's not just like because lost for me was just like a whole series of fucking questions that at the end of the day most of them were not answered and severance has in nine episodes presented something and then answered the question and then presented another thing and then answered the question so and then they present some things where it's like well what the fuck is that and yeah. they and but because they've been answering certain questions as they go along, there is the promise that in a second season, some of these what the fuck is going on questions are going to be answered. Right. Well, OK, well, hang on, because John and I both take issue with everything you just said. OK, the first, take issue. God damn it. That's the way this fucking show works. John, how would how would you. uh what is your synopsis of what the show is about? How, how would you, what's your elevator pitch on this thing? I think it's a nine episode Black Mirror. Ooh, okay. Or, or Twilight. So I think it's Black Mirror. That's, that's the Twilight Zone for me. But um, it, it is 
if you it is at answering a lot of questions, but there are so many things. Oh that yeah, we have no idea. I don't what name one question that it's answered because I can't think of any. <laughs> well, it it answered the question: What happened to his wife? We don't know the specifics, but we know she's not dead. Well, I don't know that that was a question. We just assumed that she was dead and took that at face value. Okay, well, never a question for me. Well, but you know, but that goes to the heart of the thing about it is that it that revelation brings up other questions that are well, unanswered. That, that now well. we have questions about it. But Once we learn that is, we know. Also, spoiler alert. Guys, we're doing spoilers here. Oh, fuck off. If you haven't watched it, then live live a life. You know, kind of <laughs> all seven of you. Well, actually, all six of you, because John's actually on tonight. So all all five uh, phones that I put subscribed at the AT&T store in Lafayette, Indiana, they're all getting this. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all no, but I think there are plenty of, uh, if you go back, John, that's the thing. John is also the literate ape cast marketing director. Marketing director. Exactly. He goes gorilla. It just, yeah. It's right. crazy. But no, I think if you go back to the very first episode, I mean, you're, you're asking what questions have been answered. The very first episode, you have no idea about any of this stuff. And then slowly but surely, I mean, I'll give you an example. Well, um, the first episode, it starts out with like, who are these? What are they but, doing? Why are they doing this? Right, what is the no, company? I'm going to give you an example. It's like, all right, so MDR is, is they're doing the numbers on the computer and you don't know what those numbers mean. But by the time you get to about the fifth episode, what you understand is that uh, Keir Egan's statue has on it the four tempers that define human beings. It's woe, frolic, dread, and malice. And if you look at the, the little four bins that they have, when they drop the and they mm -hmm. say they say oh it's based on how you feel about them the four things are labeled woe frolic dread and malice so that is a question that was asked in the beginning it's like what the fuck are they doing with the numbers now yeah. you have that information you don't know what the fuck it means but they did answer it and that gives you more questions to ask which i love and that's why that's why i say they're treating us like adults they're saying, yeah. we're going to give you Lost. I didn't feel like they knew what the fuck was going on with Lost. I think they started Lost. And then once they got to the second season, they had the smoke monster and they had the hatch, but they had no f the numbers. They really didn't have any idea where they were going with it. The thing is, Severance is based on a book. You know that this, this is based on a book. Did not yeah, this is, this is based on a science fiction book. Uh, called Severance, 2018 satirical science fiction novel by Chinese-American author Ling Ma. And so this is based on a book. So they, they didn't have to kind of go, let's throw out a bunch of wacky questions and then see where it goes. They know where it goes. And if you read the book, you so have- So it's more like song. Game of Thrones. It's much more like Game of Thrones than yeah. Lost. okay. Except yeah. Christ, I hope they don't fucking shit the ending like Game of Thrones did. <laughs> Oh, well, there's, man. I've, I've yet to see a Starbucks in, in Severance. So I guess, I don't know. Uh, what was great about, so the, the, ser the first episode, the first season ended, what, last week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John, who is an hour ahead of me, when, you know, when things drop, he gets it an hour ahead of me. And he was watching it and basically like live tweeting his, his reactions <laughs> to me. But they were just like, holy fuck. Oh, my God. David, uh, you know, and I'm like, no I, way. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not there yet, but gee, and he was like, when you watch it, I'm going to stay up and I want you to <laughs> text oh. me in real time, which I did. <sighs> this show here, here's why I think this show speaks uh, to me. Like one, it's extremely well-written. It's well-acted. It's well-directed. It's well Across the lighting. The like, it's yeah. just like all of the production value is superb, but there's, if you've ever had a job and had to like, you know, clock in, clock out and, you know, kind of like your nine to five bullshit, this speaks to that so well in the, the, the company culture and human resources. And this is like, so the, where they work, it's just like one gigantic human resources hellscape is how, is how I see it. Hellscape's a good it, word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, word. It, it, there's a lot of imagery in this whole show about hell. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
it's sorry. Keep going. I mean, the, yeah, the baby goats, like that's a question. We're going to talk about asked. that. We're going to talk about that. Cause I have my, my questions are, are, are some of your theory. I want to know what your theories are, because that's the, one of the things that's fun about a show like this yeah. is that you can have theories. And one of the things I love about this, it's why I don't think it's a comedy. It really is a traditional satire. Um, because it's not trying to make you laugh. It's just an absurd situation. It's like my, my okay. favorite. But I would consider favorite, satire a form of comedy. Well, it, and that, and again, that's, I, you and I've had that conversation before. It's sort of like, let's have Brazil. it again. My favorite satire of all time, filmed satire is Brazil. And while it has moments that not are cocktail. Really, you know, cocktail is more like an epic history, but anyway, Jesus. Oh my God. Anyway, right, the um, bingo cards out. Cocktail got brought up. Cocktail got go. brought up. Just so you know, <laughs> Take a John, shot. I'm, I'm going to give you a heads up. I don't know if you've been listening to the uh, I Like to Watch podcast, which is Donnie Smith and I talking about movies, but we are going to record. Uh, we're going to have David as a guest on uh, I Like to Watch so that we can drop it on the I think it's like the 22nd anniversary or the 32nd anniversary yeah. of cocktail. And we're going to talk about cocktail. So, nice. uh, so yeah, he's going to get, Cruz he's going to get, totally going to retweet us when we drop oh, you that. Get it. He's going to get his due. But anyway, Brazil is it's, it's, it's ridiculous situations, but there's a darkness to it that effectively prevents laughter, which is why to me, <laughs> good satire is not funny. It's, 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 absurd it's like what the fuck is going on and so you can you i mean there are moments in severance that you can say oh that's funny but the fact is it doesn't make you laugh out loud it makes you go oh that's fucked up like when heliar hung herself I, well, when she hangs herself when she finds out that she's the fucking daughter of the, i mean jesus Dude. christ the, that was great the little the little things to me of like the reward for doing X percentage is a Chinese finger trap. I know. Or a melon <laughs> party. Yeah. I, 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 the dance party. The dance party. The dance party fucking, was fucking. That's, that's, I think maybe and my favorite scene of the show. 100% it's the, it's my favorite so scene. goddamn funny. And, but it's not laugh out loud funny. It's like, am I really watching this funny? I and, was I was laughing out loud. My okay. Milchek is just like, he's just grooving in his white the first time you I've, see him where he's not in i've never seen him in anything he is incredible he's amazing he's incredible and yeah. he is menacing oh well, in his in his polite hr kindness he is see, menacing that's, that's what's so cool about this is it does feel and you said it before it does feel exactly like um like like an an absolute satire of the the traditional office work week in that, what they want you to do is turn off your fucking out, leave your baggage at the door kind of shit. Come in, do your fucking meaningless bullshit job. Do it with cheer. Don't cause any trouble. Don't break any rules. And we're going to reward you with fucking bullshit. Like, oh, it's Friday bagel day or it's casual Friday. It's like, what the fuck? And, and, and when you're in it, you don't see how fucking stupid and absurd it is that you're in it unless so, you break out of it and go, what the fuck is this? Why don't you just give us a raise? I don't need yeah. your casual Friday. I can wear like I can wear business clothes every day of the week if I got like an extra five bucks an hour on Friday. What the fuck? I had a job. I worked at a company that um, their big thing when they were like hiring people was that they, they have great snacks. There's a great snack drawer with brand name candy and LaCroix in the refrigerator. That was like, that's their differentiator to help attract, you know, new hires and people who want to come work there. Oh my God, what a great, they paid well. So there was that, but like their big thing was, yeah, we, we have snacks. That's, that's, that's why I like, like that works. That's the, that's what it makes works. I know. It That's really what makes work. severance as, as a concept crazy too, is that the idea of severance, you're still getting people to do it, even though how insane of an idea is it? Yeah. You can get 25 year olds 
who have been working crappy jobs to come work here if, well, I get free LaCroix. I'm good. Right. I, get a, I get a melon bar. Yeah, if there's uh, a foosball, if there's a foosball table in yeah. the lounge, what the fuck are you talking about? All right, that kind of some- shit always felt like a trap to me because I worked. Yeah. I also worked at a company that had ping pong tables yeah. and foosball oh, tables yeah. and beanbag chairs. It's like, it's like, and I never saw anybody playing it because there was this concern that if you're in there, because it was an inside sales job too. So yeah. like th- that kind of job is like you need to be on the phone hitting your hours, and if you're in there playing ping pong or hanging out on a a love stack beanbag chair. Why are you slacking off, bro? Like, well, see, the thing just, is, a, I work from trap. home now. I work from home now and I miss some of that stuff. So I have my own version of a waffle party, except it involves me jerking off with a waffle. Jesus. So, I mean, it's like I go, hey, it's time for me to have a waffle party. I go make a heated waffle. It's warm. I wrap it around my junk. Little sure. butter, little butter, yeah. spank it. It's and then that's my waffle party. Do you do you put any uh, Aunt Jemima syrup there? Um, I well, they don't make Aunt Jemima syrup the way I like it. I like it when it's get terribly a little, get a racist. jungle fever. See, I like it when it's party. racist and and tied to slavery, and they don't do yeah. that anymore. It's like Land Lakes butter. They took off the Indian and kept the land, which is so it's very just, American. It, <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you guys what I do with Uncle Ben's. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> All right, I have some questions for you guys. Here's, I want to hear your theories. Okay, I just want to hear what you thought in watching the show. What's up with the lumen board? Tell me what you think that fucking lumen board is. Tell me what we're going to see in season two. I to start, I think it's it's fucking creepy. Like the way that they just have their chief of like the board's chief of staff or whatever she is uh, uh ter- just just terrifying like it's just so terrifying what they are and who they are i i i don't know it just what do you I, think john I, it's a i i think it's such a incredible way of introducing this it's that's the villain of the show it's yeah. it's that's Darth Sidious like that until we see what that board actually is. I, that person who represents the board is just that messenger girl for yeah. what I think. What the hell is that going to be? Is it just going to be James Egan and the uh, the Egan family? Is Helly on the board? Is Helly's yeah. Audi on that board? I think so. Yeah. All right. Second question. What's the fucking deal? What's the fucking deal with the baby fucking goats? What the hell is that? No, you got to come up with a theory. Come up with a theory with the fucking baby goats. There is a reason the baby goats are there. Because I have a theory. Sacrifice. I feel like goats are good for sacrifice. Like that seems to be a thing in our, in the, in human culture. I think my overarching thing that will come back to the goats is I think that Lumen is trying to use the chips to bring back the dead. They're trying to bring back dead people. And that's, I think the chip is what's keeping Miss Casey and Gemma, her that's keeping her alive. You see um, Miss Cobell at at her house. She has a hospital band and the shrine. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She does. And I think she is so focused on Mark in his life because she saw it work for Miss Casey and wants to see if she can get it to work for her mother. Oh, wow. Shit, man. That's because that I think Pete, I think that's, that's good. My, my theory is wow, that John. this is all, yeah. this is all a giant, almost HP Lovecraftian cult. Oh, well, I, 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 and, I, yes. and the goats. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, it like, mm-hmm. but, but with goats and the reason he's doing the goats, cause he even says, don't take the goats. They're not ready yet. Which means that there's a purpose for the goats, and I think the purpose for the goats is sacrifice, like sacrificing on the altar of, of Kier, which I think is okay. Yeah. All right, so, so what's the fucking deal, gentlemen, with the waffle party? Because that was fucked up. I did not expect. I like the waffles, but then all of a sudden you have like four people in masks. That are doing the, the 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 four tempers from the painting. You get the two women, a jester, and a horned goat guy. They dance 
in front of him while he's wearing a mask of Kier sitting on Kier's bed with a cat of nine tails whip that has the nine core principles printed on each tail, vision, verve, wit, cheer, humility, benevolence, nimbleness, probity, and wiles. What the flying fuck is that? It's absurd. That, that scene for me wasn't that I, wild. Oh, see, I would just like the oh, minute, like when he was it, eating the waffles, well, I was fine. But the minute they get the dancers, I was like, and then he's wearing them. I was like, oh, this it is was, fucking crazy. Here, here's why it wasn't that crazy. Like, I mean, yes, it was, it was weird and unexpected. But it was anytime that like, you know, weird sex stuff is thrown, like thrown it. Not that. Do, you do you right like I, I don't no judgment on sex stuff you want to wear masks and have an orgy with fit waffles the, fit with the qualifiers and say it no i just can you guys come over and let's have a, a masked waffle <laughs> sex party it's kind of like of course like weird sex is going to be thrown into it shit gets weird there's always going to be weird sex that 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 was my takeaway like i you know power and and religion there's always strange orgy shit that comes into play. All right, Barrymore, what's, what's your theory? I would have thought that in that weird sex shit, it would have been those who are severed that are the ones that are forced to do that. How is like you see Bert, you see John Turturro and uh, Christopher Walken's characters. They are so prudish. They cannot even look at each other almost because they've had these core tenants punctured into their brains. And then all of a sudden, because you, you you get a waffle party and now you get to have this crazy orgy, I just, I don't get it. Okay, now it's it's interesting to me that both of you went, because I was curious about this, that's why I wanted to ask the question, that you both went with the orgy thing, but there's no sex and there's no nudity. Not yet. Well, I've been saying, there was dancing, there were masks, there is a bed, there is a cat of nine tails, but there's no indication that this is an orgy. That's every indication. Everything you just said is an indication that there's an orgy. No, just because you wear a mask, nobody's naked. But they're like super scantily clad. And but they're not naked and, and there's no... You don't you have know. to be naked to have sex. I, oh, David, boy. David, what is she wearing? Yeah, I'm gonna say, boy, I'll tell you what, I wanna I definitely wanna attend an orgy with David Himmel. Let's stay dressed. Let's have yeah, a let's no, have a it's dry just, hump orgy. Fuck it's off. Dry humping, yeah. It's just jean jamming, zipper burns, <laughs> all about it. Yeah. I I think I'm the all thing about that it. made me think it was it was 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 Milchek sawing through the tie and saying, You can still have that waffle party, you can still yeah. have it. Like I, I think. I think that there was supposed to be sex and he, he knew what he was doing. Um, what was his name again? Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan knew yeah. that he had to get out of there as badly as he didn't. Cause he was the first one to bring up waffle parties. He had, oh, yeah. he was talking about waffle in like parties episode in the very one or first two. Episode yeah. one, he talked yeah. about the waffle party. Yeah. All right. Last question. No, actually there's more than last. I've got more questions, but uh <laughs> All right, so when Helly's father, okay, so we're now it's big spoiler. Helly is actually a part of the Egan family. She's the daughter. That's so fucking weird. I love that episode. I will just say that the penultimate episode was, and Dana, I'm watching it, and and Dana's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Because I'm like, "Oh my god, oh Jesus Christ!" Because we, like he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, uh, what is it called? It's, Which. Yeah, he's going to flip the switch and it's going to be overtime. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And like, so I'm on. And then like, talk about a satisfying finale, because then you get to see all this fucking you got John Turturro, you got Bert, who for some reason is investigating Lumen. So he's got a, an axe to grind. And then you've got Helly. Who's wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Bert isn't. Oh uh, yeah, Irving. yeah, Bert, Ir- Irving. Irving, Irving, Irving. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry. okay, yeah. Bad, bad, bad. yeah, Irving is. I mean, he, he's best, and then and then Helly, which is so interesting here. because his indie is like super, like just like, follow the rules by the book. Yeah. By the book. It's perfect. Yeah. But here's yeah. my question: His her father, when she meets her father, he says, he says to her, "Are you still in pain? I cried in my bed when they told me what she tried to do to you." Okay, can I? Uh, it's, sorry, can on. I stop you right there? Okay. Just real, real quickly, because that that line 
It's brilliant. I cried in my bed when they told me what they'd done to you. I literally when rewound she, what it. What she tried to do to you. Or what she, what, what That's they, what's so fucking weird about it. She, yeah. she would try, whatever it was. Yeah. So I, I rewound it three or four times. And on the, the last time I put on the subtitles, cause I'm like, wait, what the hell did he say? I cried in my bed. Like there's just something super creepy. Really and, creepy. And of course, like the way he, his whole demeanor, yeah, his delivery a, of it, but it was like, there's something to cry in his bed. Like that's just a weird detail. But here's, he could have been like, as your father, like I cried when I heard what they did to you, but I yeah. cried in my, in my bed. It's very so it's infantile. Where, it's very, here's my, well, here's my I, question. Yeah. He follows that up with your grandfather, which we're assuming is Kier would mm-hmm. cherish what you've done. One day you will sit with me at my revolving. What the fuck, the fuck does that mean? What is the revolving? Tell me. I think the revolving is revolving from one head of the, of the company to the next. Oh, like okay. the, she's so going to take it over. She, she is the next in line sitting at the revolving where she becomes the head of the yeah. company. I yeah. think that's what that is. Okay, that's, that's, that was, right. that's where I put my money to. Yeah. That that that's a lot. That's a lot more sort of like logical than because I had no fucking clue. I was like, "What the yeah, thing?" Yeah. And here's the last question I've got before we get uh, move on. We know that there are people that are not working for Lumen who've been severed with the you know like the 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 young mother right. How many people do you think are severed? And when they're, if they're in the real world and they're severed, where does, I mean, where does there any go? Where, where do they, you know I mean? It's like, the, cause you, you've got the woman who the sister meets in the, the, like the mm-hmm. birthing camp. Right. Yeah. And she's obviously any there, but then she's outie somewhere else. So how does that, I mean, how many people in the real world have been severed and what implications do you think that creates for, because the thing about it is if you can be severed anywhere, you don't have to go to the office. What are the fucking implications of that shit? What makes me curious about that, that whole dynamic with the, with the young mother whose husband is maybe on the board Senator and congressman too. Senator, right, yeah. Yeah. But like, so the, the innies and outies of our four main characters, the switch happens at like a certain... Bert. Bert's a fifth. I mean, yeah, they've got a Okay, bunch Bert, of yeah. But he's a significant we've, we've never seen character. We've never seen Bert go up and down the elevator, but there's, there's a yeah, switch Yeah, but we've seen elevator. Bert outside and we've seen Bert yeah. inside, so that, Which, that's why I say... Let's just take a moment. How heartbreaking oh. was it to see Bert happily... I'm assuming married or oh part, whatever God. partnered up with Irving, another, oh, another man. And as Irving is like, there he is. Oh my God. You literally couldn't have a better actor I, than John Turturro playing that part. Cause he is, uh, he is both sort of hysterical in his way and, and just utterly just heartbreaking. God yeah. damn. I love that guy. Oh, Irving is my favorite character. Yeah. What is the switch for the mother? What is the switch for that young mother? Is it like we just we turn it like is it is is it literally a switch? Like the overtime is just a switch. They turn it on, she goes to the camp, and then they turn it off when she comes out. That's that was just curious to me. It opens up, and then another question is: if Gemma is not dead, what is not dead? Yeah, we know well, that. To John's what point, is, is she what, dead? Well, she. Well, but but the thing is, she's got an Audi. If if she's Gemma as an Audi, w- why doesn't anybody know she's alive? I don't well, think she has an Audi. Fuck. They there send her to the test area. They the, send her back the to the test area. Or only goes it, down. Okay. So they think that she's. She says she's only been alive for like hundred and six hours or something like that. So her to her her only existence. Is they turn her off there. So you think they just turn her off? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. That it, but I here's, here's my big question about Gemma is this is the, the biggest question for me is Gemma. Oh yeah. How did she? How did Gemma die? Car accident hit a tree. 
Yeah, that's okay. what we know. That's so, what that's what Mark thinks. That's what they've to- that's what Mark's and thinks. that's what his so, sister and and Rickon think. But we don't know for a fact because we haven't seen it. But let's Rickon, but let's pull this apart a bit. I love Rickon. I love Rickon. If Gemma if Gemma dies in a car accident by hitting a tree, there's probably severe damage to the body. Gemma slash Miss Casey looks like she'd never been in a, a a car accident that killed her. No. So did it actually happen? Did Mark not have to identify the body? Like that's the thing I'm hanging on to for season two. It's like, is yeah. the Gemma. What the fuck happened and, to Gemma? And, How and why? I, li- I like I like your way, point, John, earlier. Like she's yeah. dead. And, and maybe uh, that's Ms. what the game is. Cabell By the way, has to I want to point out, but... out that the screenwriter, Erickson, one of the one of the screenwriters, has written the entire Rickon book. That book is oh, fully man. written. Oh, wow. And if any and of anything in what we were talking about earlier about how it's comedy or not, if there's anything that has made me laugh consistently, is the bland bullshit self-help guru nonsense yeah. of Rickon. Rickon is the in my opinion, the only thing that's not creepy. That is just a satire of modern self-help bullshit and every word spoken out of that fucking book just makes me laugh my ass off. So I, I love the say- dinner party where they don't eat. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like a freshman philosophy major had to write a self-help book. Yeah. yeah. All of their friends, all of Rickon's friends. I have a theory about them. The weird ones. I found your baby. I found, I found your baby. Found I found her. it by myself. A, I'm the one. Yeah, yeah. That was so fucking creepy and funny. And the guy, so that's the same guy <laughs> who at the beginning of the show said, well, why didn't they call World Why did they call World War One the Great War? Well, because they didn't have World War Two yet. I think Rickon's friends are all ex-severed people. Ooh, they all have no knowledge of the world. Rebecca is the most ridiculous person ever. No shit. They have all gotten out of their severed, but they're still, they're their any still out in the real world. And the last question I'm going to have before we get into it is, well, I don't even know if it's a question, but I just, I just, I I don't want to lose him because I think, I don't think that story's done yet is Petey. I think we're bring. I think in season two we gotta see some flashbacks with Petey because we know Petey's dead. But if if John is correct and the whole concept is bringing back the dead, I don't think Petey's done. Even if I don't, I don't know if I, I expect that Petey's going to come back in real like a corporeal form. I think maybe yeah. we're going to see some flashbacks with Petey. But to me, the entire because I I'll be honest with you. I don't like Adam Scott um, in the same way, in the same you way know, that I don't like uh, who is the fuck Paul Dano. I just, it's nothing against him. I just, when I watch him, I don't believe a word out of his mouth and I kind of hate his fucking face. That's how I feel about Adam Scott. And it's okay because I think he's what? remarkable as Marquez, perfectly cast, does a great job. But the question that I have in my mind Petey was the catalyst for all of this. They saved his chip, too. Yes, they did. They saved his chip. So they could use that chip. Even if it's not Petey's body, Petey could be back somehow else. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's something going on here. Petey is a big key to this whole story. I want to depart just from the show for just a second, because what you said, Don, that you don't like uh, Adam Scott. I'm incredulous about that. So what are your thoughts on on Adam Scott, John? Because you're you're incredulous you like about it. it. Like, I love Adam Scott. There you and go. It's fine. I, I listened. I, he, he has several podcasts. He's a huge fan of music, and he has podcasts with Scott Ackerman um, from Mister Show. Um, yeah. They they have. I just think he's hysterical, and anything he's in, I like. I always thought Adam Scott was an asshole. Like, I just I never liked him until I wound up watching all of the. Not the office. Uh, what was the one that was just like the office? Uh, Parks and Rec. And I was like, oh, oh, he's got some, he's got some range, I guess. Okay, I love him in this. I think he's That's great. Fair. And I've I, never watched. I will Parks give Adam Scott a different chance. That's My fair. mom has started watching Severance, 
And she told me that we were talking about it. And she was like, and don't you think that, that the main character looks like Tom Cruise? It's like, what the hell? And now, gang, it's Rorschach of the news. All right, guys. <laughs> Six trending topics this week. Number one, ghost guns. John, you're up first. Ghost guns. Yeah, that's like those guns that can't be traced, right? They're used in the shootings and you can't find any where they were purchased. I, this is always a good thing to just spout on something you don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, but it's, you know, Biden has, has like stepped up. There was this whole thing. He was going to change policing and guns, like, you know, the, the whole thing. That was his campaign stuff. Well, now it's happening. They're They're approaching the gun issue in America and ghost guns are a big thing. Tucker Carlson made a big fuss that ghost guns aren't a real thing. It's a made up word, blah, 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 blah. Ghost guns are mostly in kits that are sent, that are bought online, that don't have serial numbers that you just, you buy the pieces and you put them together. It's, it's a model kit. If Joe Biden had said, and I love Joe, I love uncle Joe, but if he'd said, I'm finally going to take on gun violence, super soakers, fuck off. Okay, great. That's your take. This is Rorschach of the news. Great. That's your take. That's my take. The war, the, the Russian war crimes tracker. What? Is that like Santa tracker? <laughs> I love it. I wish, to, I wish it were as accurate as the Santa tracker. As Nor, <laughs> if, if NORAD were tracking the war crimes in, that Russia's committing. For the last week or two, the, the main thing that Russia's been talking, or that, that the news has been talking about with Russia is more war crimes, genocide, war crimes. Vladimir Putin has committed war crimes, war crimes this, war crimes that. And I don't, I mean, it's your guys' job to give the take on it, but Jesus Christ, a lot of focus on war crimes, a lot of war crimes apparently happening, allegedly, whatever. All that oh. it seems to be doing is we're just racking them up. We're not doing anything about it. John, Russian war crimes. Yeah, your last sentence there. You just keep hearing more and more about it. But what are we doing to make a change there? Are we are we going to invade? Are we going to go help them out? Are we just going to? What is going to change? No clue. And, you know, me not being any, I've got a lot of experience in foreign policy. No, I don't know. What the hell are we going to do? Yeah. And my perspective on it is <laughs> war. War is pretty much a human condition. It, it, to say that war is like this, this horrible criminal thing is to discount the fact that war is, as far as there's been recorded human history, there have been massive wars. It's just what we do. It's what we're really fucking good at. And it depend, It really is, and I hate to be a moral relativist, and I'm not trying to be one, but the bottom line is uh, our war crime is your, you know, our, our, our you know, we're, we're going to do a good thing in World War II. We're going to blow up Hiroshima is someone else's war crime. That's fine. I And I, what's funny to me is that, you know, we, we, we had the Nuremberg trials after all this shit was done. And the whole, like, if there was one takeaway from World War II, it was never again, right? We cannot let this shit happen. So when we see similar things happening, we have to get ahead of it, you, you think. And there's, there's a, a story in Politico that, uh, that came out uh, today, uh, the 13th of, of April, uh, at the time of this recording today. Why prosecuting Russian war crimes in Ukraine could be complicated. No doubt this shit's complicated. War is complicated. But I feel like for the last, I know we've been at war, for, we've, you know, Russia and Ukraine have been at war for over Thank a month. For your service. But it feels like for the last two weeks, this talk of war crimes genocide potentially genocide has been mounting and mounting and mounting and we're like because russia might nuke it like i just it just feels like we're we're neutered dog trying to you know trying to impregnate david we just spent we just spent 20 years in a fucking land war that we couldn't win that we didn't have the the gut and i don't even say i don't want to say that it's guts we just didn't have the strategy we could not win in afghanistan and iraq we just spent 20 years in that. 
our thirst for going into another country with weapons and, and, and military has been tapped for 20 fucking years. All right. Next topic, transgender Disney. And we are really on some good topics. Do you guys not pay attention to anything? No, I know what I know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm waiting for Charlie yeah. Cora, high school science teacher. Uh, he is a he's the son of the grandson of Roy Disney, who's the co-founder of he's the heir Disney, Disney World. Yeah. He's the heir to Disney. Uh, came out publicly as transgender. He's yes. they sorry they have been transgender. Um, so this this Disney thing just keeps getting funnier and funnier to me because. There's a history of, you know, Walt Disney was an anti-Semite. He's on ice and waiting for the, all the Jews to die so he can bring him back to life or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but this whole, you know, don't say gay bill thing. Uh, well, I, you know, was it you guys, was it, was it your show who said that that Disney is like the Vatican in Florida? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, think we it was said that, show. but that's funny. So, that's, that's really good. I wish we had said it. Yeah. Disney yeah. has their own set of rules in Florida. They, yeah. yeah. Because of so much tourism there, uh, all of their movies are going to feature some sort of LGBTQ character here in the future. You're going to get that in the Buzz Lightyear movie. They, they, they announced that there was going to be one. They removed it. Then they put it back in because of the backlash. Oh, God. Yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, and I, and I, I recommended this uh, not too long ago. Uh, I read uh, what was it called? Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the fight for cultural uh, supremacy. What's very interesting, and I'm just going to bring this. Not that this has anything to do with Disney and transgender, but uh, what is the the newest goddamn Harry Potter, the Secrets of Dumbledore, oh, or whatever? The, the, in, yeah. Fantastic in China, fantastic you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck it is in China, because Dumbledore's gay and they make in this. Is the thing is, this is what I think is funny. On one hand, we're going to show that Dumbledore is gay and it's going to be a big LGBTQ thing. It's it's absolutely literally like 16 seconds of film that actually supports it. It's not like we're going to see Jude Law's Dumbledore like getting ramrodded yeah exactly but in china they cut those 16 seconds out because the chinese don't okay. like the fags fine not our problem that's their country let them well, no, do I, with the thing is i think it is a bullshit. problem because disney is they make so much fucking money in china you have no idea how much money Disney makes in China because they were an early adopter of they, there's a Disneyland in China. They make so much goddamn money on the movies they do on the television programming they do. So when I hear, I, I think this is a Disney problem. It's an internal Disney problem. And I think they are fighting with each other to find out who's going to win the soul of Disney. Benefer. Right, good for them. Is J Lo like, and Ben Affleck are getting they're engaged, they're back together. What, John, she's been in she's addicted to being engaged and not following through. That's true, that's true. She's been engaged eight times. It's something, yeah. it's something that yeah. she's been engaged to Ben Affleck twice. She was engaged to A Rod, she was engaged to who was it, Mark Anthony, Mark no, Anthony. Yeah, actually, she never actually got married. She's addicted to getting a ring and then. <laughs> I I hope they stay engaged. I hope they get married. I just hope they don't make another fucking movie together. Yeah, good point. Here's the thing that that I, I think about is the ex the ex girlfriend thing. Ben Affleck was with Jennifer Lopez in early two thousands. They broke up. He was with then with Jennifer Garner. I don't know if it was consecutive or whatever, but yeah, he was yeah, with was Jennifer Garner. Married, had kids, had kids family, oh, yeah. life, blah, 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 get divorced. And then it goes back to his ex-girlfriend. Do you think that Jennifer Garner's like, motherfucker? Were you no, thinking about she, that that beautiful well, big ass bitch the whole I time? I think she dodged a bullet. I think you're I think John Beermore is a thousand percent right. I think Jennifer Garner did the adult thing. There was a divorce. I don't think Jennifer Garner gives him two thoughts except for is he working and is he showing up for my kids? 
That's all she thinks about. And that's what I like about Jennifer Garner. Oh, see, I thought that when they got divorced, I was like, oh, man, he's good for him because she has got to be the most annoying person. I think, see, John, I can see John's oh, face. Man. Jennifer and Garner, man, Jennifer Garner to me, is like Adam like Scott to you. She's Jennifer, oh, Jennifer like, Garner. She's a fucking 50-year-old playing a teenager every single time. But she's she plays an this, adult human being. She, she is plays a great this weird, actress. She's a great, great actress. Come on. Where? She's an adult. Great actress? She's as good where? an actress as Ben fucking Affleck or Jennifer Lopez is. Okay, fine. But neither of those people are great actors. So the, I no. think she's a fine actor. Did you see Peppermint? No. She was good in Peppermint. Okay, good is not great. She's Electra for me. There you go. She was good as Electra. Yeah, she was good. I think was Jennifer good Garner as Electra. Is, I think Jennifer. Well, I didn't say Jennifer Garner was fucking Daniel Day Lewis in my left foot. Yeah, it's it's not like she's like a cat. She's not Kate Blanchett. She's just a really good solid no, actor. Kate Blanchett is mm, right. Like her. She's not Jessica Chastain, but she's a good actor. She does good movies. I think she's an adult. I think the way she's dealt with her divorce has been incredibly mature and, yeah, okay. and, and responsible. And I think, and I'll be honest with you, I'm happy for Ben Affleck to be getting his Jennifer on the block cock slam, whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's kind of a sweet love story that they all I love it. together and hopefully they stay together. Just don't make another movie. I love it. It's just. No more like, movies for the two of them. Yeah, no. Yeah, you can. That was some together. bad shit. That was some like, yeah, that was like anything that. Uh, oh, fuck. I can't even think. Mariah and Carey was ever in. Oh, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Litter. Anything. It's just like. Litter. Uh, but. What was the one she was in where she, uh, Precious? She was great. Mariah Carey was great in Precious. She was in Precious? Yeah. Was she really? She didn't, yeah, she was the social worker. Oh, my God. Because yeah. Precious is a really good movie. Precious okay, is a good, I, great movie, yeah. I've That's, always I mean, had I, a question about, was that based on a novel by Sapphire Push? Yes. Okay. The great movie. The subtitle of the movie. All right, John, uh, you're up next on Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, man. What a bummer. That was a terrible Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah, even then, like, here's the thing about Gilbert Gottfried. Nobody can do Gilbert Gottfried. He is such a unique, wacko, a brilliant. Ah, yeah, just. It... What a bummer, man. That one, that. It's just yeah. You see the picture that of Jeff Ross, Bob Saget, and Louis Anderson, oh. and it, it was him with four or, or three or four like in the last three months deceased gentlemen that were all comedians. It has been a rough Wait. time. Wait, Jeff Ross is dead? No, no, no. Jeff Ross was the only one left alive. Oh, Jesus. There okay. Were, there were three others left. And, and Twitter, Jeff Ross was trending on Twitter yesterday because everyone said, we've got to protect Jeff Ross because this is cursed. The guy. Yeah, but also, I'm not a huge fan of Jeff Ross. Like, I mean, he's not, I don't dislike him, but. This isn't a Jeff Ross segment. If I had to pick between Gilbert Gottfried, Bob Saget, Louis Anderson, and Jeff Ross, like, I. Get rid of Jeff Ross. That's fine. Yeah, what a what a like that guy. You couldn't he couldn't have that that career anymore. No. The, the, the career he built off of saying things that you cannot say anymore. Yeah, you can say them. You can say them. You However, just have to do it in a funny voice. Well, no, the thing is, I agree with you. Right now, we're in a time period where where we're saying things that are a little off color. The, the reason Gilbert Gottfried got away with it and the reason he <laughs> continued to get right away with it is that Gilbert Gottfried didn't have a Twitter account. So he didn't give a shit what everybody else thought. He just yeah, did he his did. job. I mean, he did. And he made that Japanese tsunami joke and got totally fired <laughs> from being the Aflac duck. But yeah, but he didn't care. <laughs> he died from a, a pretty rare disease that mm -hmm. can kill you suddenly. I mean, it's... It's, yeah, that, that's knew, a kind of like tragedy thing, you know. He'd been living with that disease for a long time, so yeah, but it can come yeah, get so you anytime. I think, John, 
a really fun game to play is whose death was worse. Um, so uh, <laughs> Norm McDonald for me is still worse. Yeah, Norm, worse. Uh, Norm's was way more tragic for me. So yeah. I, I, I connected somewhat with Gilbert Godfrey, but he was way, way, way before my time. And Norm, I think, was just so much more tragic. But, well, the thing about yeah, it is Norm was, still, Norm was still culturally relevant. Yes. I mean, Gilbert Godfrey hasn't been culturally relevant, like culturally relevant for fucking 20 years. He's still funny and he's still a lovely man. But in terms of his output, in terms of his, 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 uh, he, he become, he wasn't the flame anymore. He was the pilot light. Of he was a guy. Yeah. Norm McDonald wasn't doing cameos. No, exactly. And Norm McDonald was still, was still even, even up to the, he was still doing specials. He was still funny as yeah. shit. He was still addressing shit that was funny and kind of stepping into shit all the time. In a funny fucking was way. Godfrey was sick. He was and not well saying. for a long so, time. So, like yeah. I said, in terms of our country, what, what, what we get out of him, I, I'm like I said, I'm just happy that he died comfortably, that he wasn't hit by a fucking bus or blown up by a fucking IED, and uh, that you know, like he lived a good life and he died in his sleep. I think that's good. John sent. I think it was John. You sent it to me. Um, it was via Twitter, but. Uh, an old Hollywood squares segment. Oh, God damn it. He is, he's the winning, he is the winning square for either player. Always. And uh, for like Paul Lind, Paul Lind. Seven, no, no. In this particular episode, oh, okay. he is All the right. square that they both, both contestants keep having to go back to. And he is just fucking with them. He is, he's, it's, He's given the wrong answer on purpose. He gives the right answer. He gives, it, he gives the right so, answer when he gives it pensively so that they think he doesn't know it, but he really does. It is amazing. And like all the other squares, Bruce Valanche, that beautiful, beautiful man, Whoopi Goldberg, that beautiful, beautiful man, are losing their minds. The host, <laughs> like, it's just like everybody's having the time of their life. And Gottfried is just, he's, he's holding court. And it's it just is, one of the funniest guys that's so much. Did and the contestants yeah. are like, yep, yep, okay, just let's do it. Uh, we have one more thing for the Rorschach. It is Mark Meadows. And this is my favorite thing this week. Well, I know who Mark Meadows is. I don't know what was is new. What is the do you know the so news? Mark Meadows. John, um, John, do you know? No. Okay, I don't either. Okay. So don't feel bad. Tell us Mark what's Meadows. new about Mark Meadows. Formerly uh, Trump's advisor, his chief of staff. He was his chief of staff. Chief of staff at the end, um, who has been in the news lately because, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Clarence, Ginny Thomas was texting him like, we need to take off January 6th. Very involved in January 6th. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the leaders in, you know, election fraud, election fraud, 2020 was stolen, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out Mark Meadows was removed from the North Carolina voter roll. (laughs) <laughs> amid an election fraud investigation. This motherfucker was right. There has been election fraud in 2020. On the Republican because, side. Because Mark Meadows was registered in the state of Virginia and North Carolina. Oh, shit. <laughs> so if you guys don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, that's what it well, is. Well, no, the thing it's this brilliant fucking guy. is... Well, the thing that's brilliant is every... And that's what I've read. And and granted, I can't He's say... He's right. I there was election it. fraud. I haven't clock. read it exhaustively, yeah. but what I have read, everything I've read when it comes to specifically, and, and this is uh, like going back to 2016, when they're talking about election fraud, it is almost always and almost consistently always Republicans that are doing it, which is the funniest thing about... The Republicans saying we got to clamp down on voter fraud because they're their fucking constituents are the ones doing it. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing this week is a read. It's in the Atlantic. Why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. It's not just a phase. It's by Jonathan Haidt. Uh yeah that's a jonathan Haidt, who wrote the coddling of american uh youth in 2013 had a book out in 2018 and the premise of the article is the basis of a book that he's writing <laughs> called 
the Tower of Babel being the idea that uh, that we no longer speak the same language. We yeah. uh, and, and it's, 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 I think he's fascinating. I think it's a, it's a great article. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I agree with that. My number one thing is uh, is also a read. It's in the Atlantic. It's why American teens are so sad. And it is basically a breakdown about how American teens from 2012 on the suicide rate has increased exponentially. And what, what I think is interesting about the article, and I'll just point it out, is that the argument most people will make if you talk to them on the street are going to say, well, the reason, the reason people are so destitute and so unhappy is because of Trump or because of culture wars or because of the economy or because of COVID. But if you really look at the article and you really look at the science and the data, what you realize is that the big turning point, the reason most teenagers have started to slowly, I mean, the suicide rate is ridiculous in teenagers. It has almost everything to do with social media. And that's what's really interesting about this article. God, that sounds like an incredible read. It's a really good read. Yeah, oh, I highly fun recommend for it. sure, if nothing else. It's not fun, but it is very informative. And so that is not my... fun for you, but you're not a parent. Come on. Boink. Well, uh, what I'll tell you, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote your article that you, you said, yeah. in a discussion with Barry Weiss on her podcast, uh, mentioned that if he wanted to change things around like the solution originally when they talked about like the rights like sort of like the the the, the legislation around social media originally it was suggested that that kids could not have access to social media until they were 16. it was decided that 13 was a better time which is a terrible time to have kids engaged in social media and so his recommendation was, and I think this is a good recommendation, Jonathan Heights recommendation was that we revert back to, you cannot have access to any social media till you're 16 years old and that we financially penalize the platforms that do not regulate it in the same way that we regulate a fucking 7-Eleven for selling cigarettes to an underage kid. And I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, I'm at that. All right, John, what's your first thing? My first thing is a watch. It's John Oliver's video from uh, this past week. It will have been uh, a week ago for us when we're with this is coming out next Monday uh, from the 9th. It was data brokers uh, mm. where we, every every website you're going to is tracking everywhere you're going to after that. And data brokers are selling that off to other people. And his way of addressing it, I don't want to spoil it because it's at the very end. It is incredible. It's very yeah. legal. Well, it really know, is. What's really interesting, John, and I think you probably said you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I spent the last year and six weeks working for a company as a, I was a marketing yeah. copywriter for a company that that's what they do. They yep. data mine and they sell that data. And I'm telling you, it was a real, that was a conflict in me sort of uh, ethically because I was working for a company that actually did everything John Oliver talks about. I worked for that company. I'm really kind of happy that I no longer work for that company. I, I the only reason, the only justification I gave myself was that I was not actually doing the data mining. I was writing articles about it. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I had my ethical uh, dilemma that I dealt with. But I know far more about this shit than I want to, and it's really ugly. And John Oliver's solution, without giving it away, is pretty dead on. So I agree with you. My next thing to do this week is a listen. Um, It's NPR's Fresh Air. Have you heard of it? I have. Uh, Great episode that came out April 12th. Pandemic Inc. This is a, a new book, um, but the author is talking about. Said the author on there talking about the financial predators that made more than a million or made more than one billion dollars off of COVID. So it, it's just it's nothing super surprising, but it's just really interesting to get into like the details and the mindset of a lot of these grifters 
Um, and well, your standard capitalists are just trying to take advantage of shit of, of the misery. And it's without like, giving too much away, how, how many, is there anything specific that, that is either surprising or interesting that they, they use as a specific example of a company that is, that made a lot of money off of it or a, a person or anything? Well, I, I don't know, but I think well, what's, what's interesting is like the way that like it's it's hard. It's almost hard not to take advantage of this because there's this competition for N95 masks where the U.S. government is saying we'll pay you six bucks per mask, which is, you know, 600 times what an N95 mask cost before the pandemic. And then you've got states like New York going, well, we need those masks too. Don't give them to the federal government. That's going to give them to other states. We'll pay you seven or eight bucks for it. And there's just this like bidding war. And it's really capitalism run amok. Well, if you look at this, exactly this, as it's designed to do. A series of articles. And I think it's interesting you bring that up because there have been a series of articles that have come out where people using the pandemic. And this is like regular people. Um have have i mean people built the uh the the like the what do you call it the uh when they gave us the 1400 dollars, what was that called stimulus, stimulus. Yeah. Stimulus, yeah people built that and the ppp and you know the, the the payroll stuff people built that for billions of fucking dollars yeah i mean and yeah. and, and, and again i'm never surprised when americans i mean but humans in general but Americans specifically will find a way. I mean, again, I think Black Lives Matter is one of the, the greatest movements in the history of movements. And yet their founders bought six and eight billion dollar party houses. I mean, the Acting thing about like a it bunch is, of old white men. I mean, it's just really kind of ugly and kind of awful. And, and, yeah. uh, and you know, that, that's humanity. Again, I don't think it's evil. I think it's basically... It's most American humans, capitalism, baby. If, yeah. if people are given an opportunity to make a whole lot of fucking money uh, at the expense of other people, they will probably do it. And that's kind of shitty and sad, but that's reality. So, yeah. All right. My second thing is a watch. My watch is on Apple Plus. It is Gary Oldman, Kristen Scott Thomas, and a bunch of people I've never heard of, but are quite good in a show called slow horses it, slow horses were what they called mi5 british sort of intelligence sort of like the guys that fucked up and they've kind of stuck in the shithole they're not they're not the high-end spies and, mi6 like james bond no this is mi5 yeah and gary oldman basically plays this uh, one of the best things about this character is in three episodes I've watched, he has farted like loud, ripping <laughs> farts at least five times because he's just this old fucking Brit who used to be this badass spy who has now been empowered to kind of deal with the fuck ups. And it is a whole story. Kristen Scott Thomas plays the second chair in MI5. It is, it's funny. Because Gary Oldman is, I'm telling you, it's one of the best moments where he's sitting with Chris and Scott Thomas and they're talking about this horrifying, like, op that's going on that he's kind of discovered the end because he's gone the outs. He's like the bad news bears of fucking MI5. And he's sitting there and all of a sudden, it's just so funny to me. Gary Oldman, who's just like this statesman, just rips a fart. And he goes... Better in than out. And they both look at it and goes, oh, maybe not. It's the fucking weirdest show, but it's a spy show about, like, real spies. I love Heart it. Thing. Slow Horses, highly recommend. So Gary Oldman is Shrek. He you is Shrek. Much, yeah. Shrek. He, he you know, is Shrek. It's, it's so good. If it's a spy show about farts, a better title would be Silent But Deadly. It would be, but you're welcome, Apple Plus. Plus. Yeah, I'm right here. So Checks David Himmel, Venmo, Zell, whatever. Yep. Cast and your final recommendation, Mr. Beardmore. I have a do 
don't even know if that's a qualify. That's one of those things. But it's a that different. is that is yes. For a specific listener, a proud listener of this show, uh, Uncle Joe Joe Biden. I know he is a he, he's one of the he does listeners of this show, and he does um, listen to this show. So specifically for Joe uh, to do forgive student loans, forgive <laughs> student loan debt. That's all I've got. And that's the show, Joe. So get on it, buddy. John, thank you so much for, thank you, for John. coming on and sitting through this and, and talking severance. I think we could we could probably do a whole, a whole other episode. About I could severance. do an hour on the cast. I could do an hour on yeah. the set. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>